Good day, fellow hoteliers, and welcome back to episode 209 of the Hotel Marketing Podcast. I'm Pete DeMeo, and I'm your landfill sorter and hotel marketing expert in general. Along with me is Phil Fariska, your landfill equipment operator, and he's going to be leading us through some recycling. Hot garbage. Yeah, I, I was going to do hot garbage. I ended up going with leading you through recycling some great hotel marketing knowledge. I like it. I like it. I, th- I just really thought you were going with the hot garbage analogy. I was thinking about that. I had a dumpster fire in there. I don't know. All kinds of stuff. That's so good. Once I heard you start, I was like, oh, here we go. I'm running out of jobs, though, Phil. That's the problem. We're going to have to actually start recycling jobs if I don't come up with something new. But, But, um, yeah. (laughs) I love it. No, man, I think this is going to be a fun episode. We have, uh, you and I are going to go through some things that we're thankful for, some things that we learned, and our forecast for 2022. So it'll be a fun episode. I think there's going to be a lot of cool little tidbits of knowledge that people can take from this and hopefully they can learn from some of our mistakes and make 2022 just a, a rocking year for everybody. But before we dive into the, the craziness, we have some news and then we have what I think is going to be a hot 60 seconds to success. So you want to dive in, Phil? Let's do it. Our news first. News first. There it is. With hotel marketing, they cannot lose. Now it's time for news a Cool. Um, so this one is some more uh, news in the contactless entry digital key world. Um, Hyatt is rolling out room keys in Apple Wallet. Um, they're going to do this with six hotels in the U.S. Um, I think we're all in the hotel industry familiar with this at, the, at this point, but um, I think this is a, a new thing to be using Apple Wallet. Uh, I believe this works through um, Asa Abloy um, door locks, uh, but I think it's a pretty cool feature. My my one concern is what do all the Android users do? Oh, the same thing they do every time. Try, try to catch up. <laughs> I, I love it. It's It makes perfect sense. We've already had keyless entry in terms of app development for, for years. I mean, I know for years ago, we were already getting this stuff set up, integrated with Asabloy or Onity or whatever locking system that you have. But being able to take it to that next step where it's just on your on your watch and you don't have to pull out that phone, it makes it so, so easy. I think they're going to really love this. Granted, it's only at six properties now, but the fact that Hilton or Hyatt has that capability, I would imagine it's more of a hardware issue than anything else. They're going to have to make sure that all of their properties have the proper locking systems. And anybody on the hotel side is going to say, those door locks are really expensive. It's not like going to Lowe's and picking out a, you know, a, a schlag doorknob. It's a little yeah. bit more expensive than that. Yeah, I mean, I, there you're probably right, Pete. This probably is a, you know, they have six properties that are ready to implement it, so they're doing it at six properties. Um, but it's it could also be a test, right? Because you gotta you gotta work out the kinks with something new every time. Um, they have six properties to do this at. You know, between Apple, Apple watches, iPhones, whatever, everything has access to the wallet. I love this idea. You know, as an iPhone user myself, I would definitely be using this. Um, I, I think, I think it's really cool, and this is definitely the future. You know, we know people want contactless, um, so this is just another, another outlet to get us there. Indeed, 
if you're a hotel who does not have an app, doesn't hasn't gone to, I don't want to say even digital keys, but just more of the, the RFID, low lake Bluetooth type keys, you need to get there fast because this is quickly going to become a differentiator where just like you know, color TVs in days of old, people are going to be weird out if you hand them an old school key card or key or anything. They're expecting that technology to be just integrated into life. So put that on the roadmap yeah. because you may need it sooner rather than later. Yeah, expect being able to include this in something like your your Google My Business listing or Yelp and people being able to sort by hotels that have it. I mean, that is how all of this ends up playing out. This will be no different. Um, so get out ahead of it. Um, budget for this, even if it takes you, you know, two years to save whatever you need to do to change all your locks out, start now. Yeah, and I think a lot of people forget when you look at it from a contactless perspective, you know, having the key on your phone, on your watch is such a great competitive advantage. A lot of people don't know this, but a typical hotel room key card is about eight times more dirty than the surface of a toilet. I don't, I don't, doubt I don't that. know if that's true at all, Phil. I just made that up. I wouldn't doubt that for a second. They're gross. <laughs> but it's something to think about. Hey, you know, it, it could be dirty. I don't know. E- either way, get a digital key. Come on, man. Anyway. Come on, yeah, man. Come on. Get a digital key. Come on, man. Wait long enough. So. <laughs> that's my that's my two seconds to success. Get digital keys. But All right. Now I need 60 more. All right. I, I've got 60 more. So if you're just joining us, this is episode 209 of the Hotel Marketing Podcast by Travel Boom. And 60 Seconds to Success is a fun little segment where we only have 60 seconds on the clock and I need to share a tip or trick that is going to make you a better hotelier. Last week, Phil crushed it, had extra seconds to spare. He completely embarrassed me, but I'm back this week to crush him and leave him crying in a little pool of tears. (laughs) But to do that, I have to give you guys a tip in 60 seconds or less. So... Are you ready? I want to put the clock on and we'll see where this goes. All right. So here's my tip and it's a pretty simple one. Book a stay at your closest competitor and take really, and I mean really good notes. So first thing you want to do is start as if you were a new person going to your location and do a search. Find your competitor and find a great room, but don't book yet. Go ahead and give them your email address and wait to see what happens. Then, after a few days, go through and make a booking just like a real person with a real credit card for a date that's a good bit in the future. Then, just wait again. After a couple days, go ahead and cancel your stay and look at your notes and pay very close attention. So here's the questions. What was their search presence? What was the site experience on their site? How was their email automations and what was their cancellations or recapture process like after you canceled? Are you better than your competition? Phil, I made it just in time. That was, what, 59 seconds you stopped? Yeah, I, I knew I had. I threw, I threw that I in. Wasn't, I wasn't, and you feel in, do your rates reflect that? And I didn't say that because that is not my tip and I will not plagiarize you, Phil. <laughs> No, I think this is a really good tip, but I would add to your tip, Pete. <clears throat> I say take the stay. Don't cancel. E- even better. I probably should have left then, it in here like that, yeah. It's it's fine. Uh, I, you know, obviously, if you don't want to spend the money, especially if it's a lot of money. Um, well, it's probably, it's probably less to, money Pete. than your, your PPC budget or a lot of other things that you spend yeah. your money on. 
So I, you know, Pete, Pete's tip here is, is spot on. Um, understand what the online presence is like, the booking experience, all the way through to the, you know, the, the confirmation email, and and compare it to what you're doing. Is it is it better or worse than competition? But I, I just want you to take it one step further. Go make the stay and keep your notes. Keep the notes that Pete mentioned throughout the booking process, but keep the notes of um, pre-arrival emails, um, what the front desk did that was great, what the rooms uh, was like, what you know, features they had in the room that you may not have, um, and then the, the post-stay emails, basically the entire experience that you might have with, uh, with your competitor. And get a really good grasp of what they what they do, but primarily back to back to Pete's original point, the booking process, getting someone in the door, getting that head in the bed in the first first place, um, incredibly important to understand how you compare to your competition. Yeah, and you can't do that by and a lot of everyone makes test bookings at their competitors' websites. We're not saying go through that mindless process. Think about it, plan your stay, get invested in the process, just like your guests are getting invested in the process of choosing where they stay. Because when you do that, you're going to see so many more things and you're going to think about it in terms of I'm the guest now and I want to make sure I get a great experience. If your your website's slow and theirs is fast, if they're doing a lot of great you know upsells or doing a lot of nudges to move you down that conversion funnel and you're not, that means you're going to be at a decided disadvantage when the real guest gets there. So focus no. on that. I would, I would urge you to do a screen recording as you go through it, probably on desktop and mobile. Understand what both those experiences look like for your competitor versus yours. And you can easily do a screen recording on your phone, easily do it on your desktop. Um, but understand what both those processes look like. Give yourself a true comparison. And, and like I said, when you're recording it, then you can get a true sense of how quickly did it load. You know, Visually, how quickly did it load? That's a, that's a great point, Pete. You know, you might write that down in your notes, loaded quickly, but does it really? You know, what does it look like in comparison to when you clicked, you know, your link in a search result and how quickly your 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 page rendered? You know, you can visually watch that back. I think I think recording it on video is is key. And when you do that, this is going to create a giant to do list. The whole goal is for you to see where you fail, make that your to do list, and then that's what you can be using to execute in twenty twenty two, which we're going to tell you talking about here in just a minute. But there you go. So that is Travel Boom's 60 Seconds to Success for the week. What we're going to do now is we're going to move over to the main topic of what we're thankful for in 2021 and our key forecast for 2022. If you want to join, go ahead and visit travelboommarketing.com slash podcast. Click on episode 209 and you can enjoy that podcast. And you'll get to hear this whole 60 seconds again for 120 seconds of fun. But with that being said, we're going to sign off from the video portion and jump into our main topic. But actually, before we do that, Phil, we got some feedback, man. Oh, yeah. Isn't that awesome? Tell me. All right. So this is from Eric. And he says, I've enjoyed the Fuel podcast. He meant to say Travel Boom, and I forgive you. Podcast for many years now and enjoy the ideas and commentary from you and your colleagues, which is why I made a point to revisit the blog post on high occupancy marketing strategies. And yes, that is a great problem for sure. Thanks, Eric. Well, Eric, thank you for that. That's awesome. We definitely appreciate that. And that's, that was a fun article to discuss. So something for us all to think about. I think Jeremy wrote that, right? Yeah, yeah Jeremy did write that. But Eric, thank you for thank you for uh, the kind words and we appreciate it. And if you want, go ahead and leave us a review on Apple or iTunes or wherever. Yeah. 
All right, so moving on to podcast 209. So, Phil, I have one official rule for what we're going to come up with today. So we each have to say something we're thankful for. We each have to say something we learned. And we each have to give a forecast for what's going to happen in 22, along with the way to make it happen. But you can't mention COVID, Delta, Omicron, anything, Umbrella Corporation, you name it. You can't mention anything (laughs) regarding diseases. Damn it. My whole thing was about Raccoon City, Pete. (laughs) I'm glad you caught that reference. (laughs) All right. So I'll go ahead and start off what I'm thankful for. And then I will kick it over to you. Let's go back and forth. Little little round robin or back and forth. All right. Let's do it. All right. So me personally, I'm thankful for the amazing growth that we've seen in 2021 for nearly every one of our clients. Yes. I mean, there's been staffing issues. There's been a lot of uncertainty for that, which we don't talk about. But through everything at the end of the year, I mean, we're seeing amazing conversion rates. We're seeing great occupancy. Revenue is through the roof. And it was actually a pretty darn good year for really everybody I've talked to. And and that's an amazing blessing. I know I'm very thankful for that. I'm thankful for that we're able to help our clients achieve that. And, you know, yes, we made a, we were a part of that, but a lot of that is because they're great hoteliers and did all the things that they need to do to survive in a, what's going to be a very competitive environment. Yeah, for sure. This is a, this is a really cool thing to be thankful for. And I am as well. Um, being able to rebound after such a strange year. Um, this year has been fantastic. I'm really happy to see, you know, every single one of our clients beat their predictions and, and pretty much beat numbers over the last two years in terms of bookings and revenue. So, you know, I think that that speaks to a lot about the world of travel, uh, a lot about the marketing efforts that were that were done over the past year. Um, but all of it worked out. Everybody has big smiles on their faces ending 2021. Woo-hoo. How about you, Phil? I'm thankful for all of you survey respondents out there who answered our consumer sentiment study. Um, and continued to answer it. We ran that quite a few times this year, continued to get a lot of great responses. Um, and I just, I wanted to say thank you. What we learned from that was invaluable. Um, and, and I'm somewhat surprised, somewhat not surprised, but what we got in terms of responses actually played out, uh, in terms of where people said they were going to travel to and from, you know, within a, you know, certain drive radius, whatever that played out to be, to be true. The demographics, uh, that, you know, the under 40 to over 40 crowd. Um, we saw that play out in terms of, you know, converters. Um, I think being able to be confident in that data that we got from our survey and applying it to forecast for 2022, uh, that, that was a big deal. Um, you know, after, after coming off a couple strange years of travel, we didn't know what to expect with 2022, but Having a, a good good insight into the future based on our survey responses, um, I'm I'm very very thankful for that. And a little selfishly, I'm thankful for that because the responses to that survey made it a valid survey and allowed us to provide a lot of great content to you listeners. Um, I hope you used it like we used it and and found value in it as well. Hey Amen. I mean, there was ten well over ten thousand various people who have responded to surveys and gave us feedback and. I really think what we want to do is thank each of them individually. So Allison Abercrombie, Arnold, 
Armstrong. Armstrong. <laughs> no, I, I don't know if we need to thank each one individually, but we thank them collectively. I like yes, that you were you you mid beer when I did that. And I was hoping to get a little bit of spray on the screen. <laughs> oh, you'd expect none of that. Exactly. All right. So we ready to jump into some of the things that we learned? What did you learn, Pete? All right. So here's what I learned. Or I guess I could say really was reminded of is that we need to be nimble and we need to be really ready to adapt to the, the bumps, bruises, shakeups in the world. You know, here at Travel Boom, we started this year as fuel travel. There's been changes from an agency perspective. We've become a, I think, a better agency. We've overcome a lot of things and we just took things as they came fast and furious and helped our clients do that exact same thing. When you look at the beginning of this year, we were working from an entirely different sheet of music. We didn't know we were going to have the kick-ass year that we ended up having in retrospect. So as we saw things change, it was so important for us and really hoteliers in general to start adapting and adapting quickly. Kind of going back even to 2020, we saw that as well, is that the people who adapted quickly were the ones who were able to make the most out of it. And, and when you look at it, from a hotel perspective, you know, we gain market share and we gain guests in the hard times and we have to retain those guests in the good times. So you know, if you're right, if you're nimble, if you can adapt and you can use hard times or good times to create that new market share, it makes it a lot easier to retain those guests in the future. So that's something that I've always known, but I definitely relearned it and relearned it pretty aggressively. And I need to keep that top of mind. Yeah, I think it's something that we we talked about, Pete, over the past year and a half of you know, for hoteliers and uh, specifically saying that you know you're going to be running on a skeleton staff. Learn how to break from the silos. Get your front desk staff, you know, in their cleaning rooms, and everybody's got to do do their part to make this go. But I think we learned that be, out of necessity how important that was, um, and. I think we know that the the clients of ours that did that very well are in much better shape than they had been pre-pandemic, which is that's it's a it's a good problem to have. Let's oh yeah, I mean, 2019 should be embarrassed with what 2000 did to it. I mean, we had a really good year, and you know, put other normal years to shame. Yep. But what did you learn, Phil? <laughs> so this one's a little hard for me to swallow, but I learned to that giving up control isn't always bad. Um, I had to give up control a little bit and, and trust Google's machine learning um, and, and AI platforms. So this year we tested a lot of new stuff. We tested um, automated offerings like target ROAS bidding strategies and target CPA bidding strategies within PPC. Um, we tested some of the new betas that Google came out with like performance max campaigns. And every single one of those takes control away from the marketer, away from away from us, um, and it and it kind of limits what we can learn about our guests. Uh, so that was always a little bit scary. But at the end of the day, the machine learning and the AI panned out. It worked very very well. Um, we saw great results in almost every case, um, testing these and and finding that sweet spot within each of them. Um, to, to really drive more direct bookings, bring return on ad spend through the roof in most cases. I know we did have a good year of travel 
and that plays a part of it. But seeing the performance we saw from from this automation uh, was a real eye opener for me. Um, you know, it, it it at the end of the day, what we want is for our clients to make more money. And if I have to give up a little little bit of control to to allow this performance boom to happen, so be it. And you know, I, that's that's what I learned over the last year is to be a little humble and, yeah. and take one for, for the team to, to bring in a lot more revenue. Well, I mean, it's good that you learned that because that's also what we're trying to tell our clients in terms of A-B testing, site design, performance is your opinion doesn't matter. It's what the data suggests. And AI does that perfectly of taking any type of personal bias or opinion out of the equation and strictly sticking to what's performing best. I know we learned that Oh, maybe two years ago, doing some email automations that integrated AI into product recommendation, specifically for golf courses. And the very first thing that we were talking about and the client was in on the conversation was, I love it. I love that's going to recommend specific golf courses, but let's make sure it always recommends this golf course first because we want to give them extra love. And we were all buying into it. Like, nope. yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll tweak this to do this and that to make sure that the course rec- gets recommended. And then we kind of said, wait a minute. If we're doing that, what is the point of even having the AI involved? It's no different than using an Excel spreadsheet to do a simple math equation, but then saying, but I still want to go ahead and add it up on a calculator also. So learn that lesson and and put it to good use because if you're having other people or machines do the the things that can be automated, it frees you up to do what's actually most important, which is the stuff that computers can't do. Test, test new things, right? So that that's kind of what I learned from it was like, okay, if I can give up a piece of this and I know I can pr- produce certain results, particularly the one I'm speaking of is target ROS bidding strategies for PPC. Worked phenomenally. Knowing I was going to be able to hit my goal with a certain budget and feeling confident that I'm going to hit my goal with that certain budget allowed me to take any additional that we weren't able to spend while reaching our target and use it to test new things, to find new opportunities, bring in new business that you know maybe we wouldn't have had, um, and then start it all over again, find a new opportunity, find its target, set it on target ROAS, and move to a new one. So that that type of, you have to think about it as this didn't kill my ability to optimize. It actually helped me and freed me up to find new opportunities. Perfect. Well, yeah, we, so we learned a lot of good stuff. Those, those are just two of the things that we learned. We actually learn more than one thing, two, one thing each per year, but we want to kind of highlight one of those. But kind of moving from there, there's a lot of things that we see coming down the road and we want to kind of share some of the things that, that we thought were, were most important or resonated with us. So we're each going to share one or two things that we see happening in 2022 and specifically what you need to do to address those. So from my perspective, I see two key things happening. First is I think the competitive landscape is going to get really interesting as we head into 22. Looking at the travel forecast, it looks like travelers are eager to get out, eager to travel, and we're going to have a phenomenal travel year. But what this all, what does this mean for hoteliers? It, I see it as being an issue where there's going to be a lot more competition and a lot more competition that has been sitting on the sidelines. So you have a timid hotelier who didn't take our advice and stay the course and continue to push through tough times, well, they're going to pull out their wallets and start getting back into the business. And what that means is you're going to see the the cost of marketing go up. You're going to see the competitive landscape and the decisions that the travelers have to contend with increase as well. 
So that means that you're going to have to be on top of your game. And I'll talk about some of the specific things that you'll need to do. But just think about that in terms of why I think 2021 was so good was because a lot of the lazy marketers weren't there to cash in on the dividends of putting in all the hard work. Let me cut you off for a second, Pete. I don't think it's just 2021. I think 2020 proved that as well. The, the marketers who stayed aggressive in 2020 yeah. were the ones that came out ahead in a crazy, crazy year. I know the rules to the game today that you put in front of us. Yeah. But the ones who stayed aggressive in 2020, way better off than the ones who didn't. Same thing with 2021. If you If you hammered your marketing efforts and stayed on top of it, you probably blew your competition out of the water. I think you're right. So the next thing that I saw that I, or I see coming down the road is on top of the fact that there's going to be way more competitors, you're going to have, you're going to see a big push by Google, I think in the OTAs to continue to keep the users in their own ecosystems from Google zero click results, getting, you know, better and better, more prevalent GHA, other booking options within Google's ecosystem. It's going to make it much more difficult for to move a guest from Google's conversion funnel or an OTA's conversion funnel or Facebook's conversion funnel to your own book direct funnel. So keep that in mind. And I'm going to go through a couple little things that I think will help that process. But you're going to have comp- competitors coming from two fronts. One is the hotel down the street, but then also the platforms that all the hotels market on. Google, Expedia, Travelocity, blah, 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 you name it. So what do you do about that? That's the, the tricky part, right? I see a couple things that you can do. First of all, don't let good cut it. You had better be better than good. You need to optimize your site conversion rate. You need to optimize your marketing efforts. And you need to work to find all those hidden fractions of a percent of growth in your conversion funnel. You know, it's not just, oh, I need a better booking experience. I need a better desktop experience. I need a better mobile experience. Test, test, and find each of those, each little, you know, I increased my conversion rate from website to the booking engine by a tenth of a percent. Oh, that's great. Keep pushing that conversion rate down the funnel to get more people booking. From there, make sure that your book direct value proposition beats anything that the OTAs could offer. Guarantee the best rate. Offer incentives beyond that to book directly and make it known that the only thing that makes sense if you're a traveler is to book directly with a property. Anything else Amen. is going to cost money. Yep. Amen, Pete. That's a great yep. one. And then lastly, there's, there's more things, but thirdly and lastly, and we've said this a million times, Phil, make sure your mobile experience is what is driving revenue. Are you proud of the mobile conversion rate that you have on your site compared to the desktop conversion rate? Because we see it all the time where you, know, you have 70% of traffic coming to your site from a mobile device, but only 30% of your traffic or your revenue is coming from mobile devices. That's a mismatch. And that means people had to leave their mobile device, visit the wild world of the internet and get back to your desktop experience to book. That's very risky, especially when we talked about more competition, OTA starting to eat more and more of your lunch, Google being more aggressive. You need to make sure that that mobile experience is so damn convenient that they wouldn't even think twice about bouncing and then coming back to your desktop experience. Those three things is what you got to do. Love it, Pete. I think that's a you know really good 2022 prediction and really good tactics to to knock that out. Well done. Thanks. What about you, Phil? I think you probably have a few forecasts up your sleeve. Forecast. I do. 
I do have a few forecasts up my sleeve. Um, they're kind of all based on things that I've mentioned just previous on this podcast. So I anticipate the state of travel in 2022 to be very similar to what we saw in 2021. And I base this off of our survey results because, like I said, what we saw in our survey results played out very accurately. Um, so people in our survey said that they were going to take at least the same number or more trips. The majority of people answered that same number or more in 2022. So let's expect that we're going to see that in 2022. So stay competitive like Pete mentioned. I'm not going to hammer on that. He already covered it very well. Secondarily, from the paid digital landscape, PPC, predict that we see more AI-driven machine learning marketing automations coming from Google. And we know Microsoft's right around the corner because they always follow everything Google does. So you're going to see more of those opportunities to use their their machine learning. And like I said, you know, sometimes you, as the marketer, you have to give up a little bit of control um, and allow those machines to, to take over and, and see how it performs. Um, however, well, I'll get that to that in the next section. Um, and thirdly for forecast, I would say the organic digital landscape. So your SEO side, I predict more of the same from Google. Um, they want you to create a great user experience super fast and it thoroughly answers the questions from the per, from the person who searched. So make sure your website can do that but also anticipate that Google's going to try to keep much more of that within their own landscape. You're probably going to see a lot more zero-click type results. That isn't great for us as you know the, the hotel who wants people to visit our website, but you still want to be the one providing the best result because um, the click is still going to be available to you. So if it's going to happen, you want it to be a click to you and not your competitor. So make sure you're thoroughly answering the questions within your website copy. Make sure your website's super fast when they get there. Don't let them go back to the search result and push them right through the funnel. So what can you do about that? Um, I just mentioned this a bit ago. Be aggressive with your marketing. Trying to reach new audiences is how you're going to stay alive. It's going to how you're going to bring new people into your funnel, how you're going to keep direct bookings coming to you in the future. Secondarily, like I mentioned, embrace AI and machine learning. Um, but you need to continue to the manual side of the advertising as well. So you keep a baseline. If you switch everything over to the AI and things start to slip in a negative direction, you have nothing to compare that to. Uh, are your are your control groups producing the same type of trends? Are they de decreasing as well? Well, then maybe you have a bigger marketing issue, a bigger property issue. But if your you know AI starts to slip and the manual operation of marketing is continuing to perform very well, then maybe it's an AI problem, vice versa. Don't put all of your eggs in one basket is what I'm trying to get across there. But well, I think the other thing that you're saying that you haven't necessarily said yet is turning over the day-to-day -day and the optimization to AI is not the same as Ron Popey's set it and forget it. It's, it's a strategy. It's something that you use to help improve your campaign. But like you're saying, Phil, don't set it and then turn away and focus on other things because you need to be the one monitoring the the AI, testing it, and seeing how it compares to your other strategies. And tweaking it as you can to, just to see what that does for your performance. There's this, this continual optimization that needs to happen with those as well, but don't be afraid to try them. Um, they do tend to perform well, but like, like, I, like we just talked about, keep a control group. 
Lastly, um, make sure your hotel's website is fast. It's visually appealing and effective at moving users down the funnel. So these are things we've been saying forever, but understand that that this trend has not changed. Um, This is the direction that SEO is going in, uh, in terms of, you know, who Google ranks for what. So understanding you need a really fast website, you need content to, to reach people to that are searching particular queries about your area, about your hotel, maybe even about your competitors. But once they get there, you need to provide them a really fast, good looking user experience. So they're hopping right back to somebody who can provide it better than you. So yep. Keep that in mind. You know that that trend will continue. The AI trend is going to continue, and you need to continue to be very aggressive with your marketing. Keeping in mind that consumers are by their nature lazy, just like the rest of us. And if that hotel website is not fast, if it's not quick, it's not. We always say it. Amazon Prime shopping is the metric by which everyone judges everything else on now. And if you're not as fast, as convenient, as seamless, and as one touch as they are, you're already behind the power curve. So so focus on that and make sure that you may not be able to beat Amazon, but you better be able to beat the competitors down the street or you know the people who you're, are in your competition set. That's pretty cool, Phil. I feel that you've learned a lot and you had some good recommendations. Hopefully our listeners enjoyed that as well. Yeah, same, Pete. I think you put, a, put some good ones out there. Um... All you listeners out there, let us know what you think. You know, do, do you agree with our predictions? Do you disagree? Do you have anything to cover that we didn't? You know, we're, we're happy to read it out for you. So you know, let us know. Yeah, hit, hit us up at podcast at travelboommarketing.com and let us know what you see coming down the pipe. And we'll share that with all the other listeners and go, kind of go from there. Uh, if you want to connect with us in general, hit us up on, on Facebook, Travel Boom Marketing. Twitter underscore travel boom, or probably the best option is LinkedIn, which is slash company slash travel boom marketing. We'd love to get questions. We'd love to have topics, anything that we can do to help out. Uh, you know, I was talking with some people the other day and say, literally ask us any question and we will answer it and free of charge. And just to help the hotel community become better hoteliers. So that's how you would do that. If you want to ask us specifically a question, but if you want to stalk Phil and ask him a question, where would they do that, buddy? LinkedIn's the best place to find me. Uh, you can find me at Phil or Phil for risk on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, that's that's okay. that's where I'm gonna that's where I'm gonna answer. <laughs> yeah, pretty much the same here. So you can find me at Pete DeMeo on LinkedIn, uh, or just you know emailing us here at podcast at Travel Boom or info at Travel Boom Marketing. We're all here. Uh, that's where you can find us collectively. We'll have the show notes at travelboommarketing.com slash podcast. And if you're mobile on a mobile device, you're going to use your thumb and you're going to click 209. And that's going to have all of our forecast recommendations and things we've learned. So you can share those with your, your friends and coworkers. Anyway, Phil, that will wrap up 209 for us. But we're going to be back next week. We're getting really close to Christmas, but we think we have one more podcast left in us. I think we can make it Before the end of the year. All right. Thank you, everybody. Get ready for Christmas. You only have a couple days left and Travel Boom is out. All right, Phil, I got a question for you, man. Okay.
what happens or how do you use a straw? You have your ice cold beverage in front of you and you have a straw. How do you use it? I would put it into the beverage, put my mouth on it and create suction to pull the liquid back through the straw. You would think that's what you would do, but I'm going to rock your world. So check this out. Suction is not what makes you drink out of a straw. And this is pedantic, but it's actually air pressure. You're reducing the air pressure in your mouth, which means the air pressure in your mouth is lower than the air pressure or a higher, yeah, lower. So it's it not actually suction, it's like a siphon. It's actually pulling, or that's actually pushing liquid into your mouth from air pressure, not a suction of, you know, yeah. you actually sucking it in. Yeah, so it works. Just think about it. Your, your, your stomach does not have the ability to suck in right. anything. You're using your lungs to create a lower air pressure pocket. So Then why do you need to continuously pull? Because once the air pressure regulates, it won't come up anymore. Oh, I guess that, that makes sense because you could continue as long as you can hold it to... Yeah. And it's still going to continue to come through. All yeah. Right. Isn't that crazy? 